Hello again and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rubo. Woo! Happy birthday! Not my birthday. It's the show's birthday. Oh! This is the one-year anniversary show. And it's going to be a fresh one, too. Pretty fresh. Yeah, it's so fresh and so super, clean. Super funky fresh and fresh yeah. and so clean, clean. Welcome again, everybody, to another Crime in Music. Every other Wednesday, Ben and I take you through a true crime about someone in and around the music business, and they've sort of gone against the law, broken the law, taken the law out, beaten it up, and, and buried it out in the desert. Laws involved. Uh, well, the breaking of. The breaking of typically. the laws. If you like that sort of thing, hit us up on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We're getting a lot of traction out there, guys. Thank you so much for reaching out to us and telling us um, the things you like. People have commented about, oh my god, you guys are from Flint. Other people are like, dude, your facts are way off. I love those ones. <laughs> so we encourage you all to hit any of the social medias, crime and music, and let us know what you think, good, bad, or we're, anywhere in between. We're going to have to talk about the YouTube comments a little bit later in the show, please. You think so? I want to talk about that guy. All right. All right. We, we can address Wait for that. it. Gotta wait for it. It's a big show. It's the one-year anniversary packed with all sorts of fun and exciting things. Uh, but just so you know, it's pretty much the same as normal. Yeah, well, it's us talking about things, maybe getting a few things right, getting a lot of things wrong. And, and having fun while doing it. Yeah, I'm probably going to have some technical dis- difficulties today, too. <laughs> I think that's part of a big part of our show today. That would be a change from the normal. Yeah. I just realized that myself, because uh, in a minute here, we're going to end up doing the one-year anniversary guest the guest. All I'm going to do is say one-year anniversary in front of everything today. <laughs> it's the big show. It's the big show. The big one-year anniversary. Well, and with that, we are on to Guess the Guest. Oh, and we don't have background music. We can't play background music. It's for part the of guests. our technical difficulties. For after one year, you think we have our shit together? <laughs> we don't have it yet. And and know. I'm just gonna open open the open the curtain here a little bit for our audience. Oh God, our technical difficulties. It's not like the computer the program's not syncing up with the CAD version of the Vortex system of the... No, just didn't charge an iPod right. <laughs> just, it just didn't charge it. Just, it's not charged. So. It's just not charged. That's enough. where the music lives. All right, so. all right. And, and well, how, how bum, 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 They're going to hear it. Don't worry. They're hearing it now. No, 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 no. All right. Well, if you're going to do it, remember, you got one minute. Let's just keep going. All right. Here we go. All right. Guess the guest. Guess the guest. This man is known as, oh, crap. I told you it's a man. It's a man. It's a man. Mr. Dynamite. Mr. Dynamite. Well, the Keith Moon guy, he liked to throw dynamite around, didn't he? Ooh. Mr. Dynamite. Mr. Dynamite. Uh, He's not a wrestler, because I already did the Ric Flair. Woo! There is a wrestler. We'll get there. I love it. We're going to get... There's a wrestler involved a, in well, our day today? There definitely is a wrestler involved today. Okay. We'll get to... We'll get wrestler. to it. Ready? Okay. Um, this might help you. He's the minister of the new, new, super heavy funk. The new, new, super heavy funk. The minister of the new, new, super heavy funk. Um... Mr. Dynamite. Okay, no. Well, I got a couple guys in my head, but I'm having trouble bringing their names to the surface. Soul Brother number one. Um. Duh. Oh, is it? Is it? The hardest working man in show business. Hold on. Hardest. Is it? Uh, the is Godfather it? of Soul. James Brown. James Brown. All right. Ooh. I like James Brown a lot. Actually, Brian, I want to let you know a little something. I hear yeah. James Brown on the radio every Ow. once in a while. Yes. And I mean, I. I've listened to him all my life. I mean, we grew up, my dad had James James Brown albums. He's on the radio back when we were babies. Oh, yes. And uh, 
I, I kind of probably didn't listen to him a lot in my teenage years because it wasn't cool. And then we got, when we started, I think you burned a CD for me, not like a love mixtape or anything. <laughs> it was all James Brown. I think you got it off the internet, you know, the uh, what was the, uh, Zap Napster did? Uh, yeah, I, I snapped and, it. And so there was a good three, four months, all I listened to was James Brown James the, Brown. driving around in the car. Nice. I think you got me the CD, so thank you, James Brown. James Brown, we're going to learn a lot about James Brown. He was uh, quite influential and um, a little crazy. Yeah, he was a little crazy, but I think that really worked. I think it worked for him. He he was weird. He was <laughs> um, all about James Brown. James Brown. James Brown. May 3rd, 1933, born in a small wooden shack in Barnwell, South Carolina, USA. I can see that. Got parents Susie Belling and Joseph Gardner Brown. Okay. Now, here's the thing. So you're South right Carolina, huh? South Carolina. Shout out to our... Bad in the boondocks. All right. All right, fellas. Uh, check this out. James was actually supposed to be named Joseph James Brown Jr., true crime facts, uh, but his first and middle names got mixed up on his birth certificate. Oh, they yeah, just they didn't. never fixed it. I, I think there, are, there was a lot of that back then. People didn't care. Later, James would legally change his name to remove the junior because he's like, it's not even the same. So <laughs> That's true. James's father, Joe, uh, he was 22 when uh, James was born. He was of mixed African-American and Native American descent. And James's mom, Susie, she was 16 when James was born, and she is of mixed African-American and Chinese descent. What do you say, like, 16? Because a 16 and a 22-year-old having a baby? Different times, Different times. <laughs> Different times. Different time. There's plenty of 16-year-olds having babies here today. That's true. Probably with 22-year-olds or older creepy men. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe Brown worked the area collecting sap from trees, which he then sold to turpentine manufacturers. Oh, that's that's not that's different than they collect sap up in the uh, northeast. Yeah, I was gonna say you got some sap collecting history, don't you? Or oh, no? we used to make the maple syrup. Yes, the maple syrups. And not not turpentine. Well, can you make turpentine out of the same thing? I or? don't know. I don't even know what turpentine is. Is maple syrup just a bottle of turpentine on your breakfast table? Basically, yeah. All right. James was stillborn at birth, um, and his family gave him up for dead. Woo! Except great aunt Millie. She resuscitated James, saved his life. How? Oh, just like they they gave up on him that quick? I think we talked about like getting the snot and mucus out of their nose and like, you know, give him a couple of Upside down, smack him on the ass. Hey, she jump started the guy. All right. He's good. Uh, the Brown family lived in extreme poverty in Elko, South Carolina. As of 2010 census, Elko has a population of 193 people. <laughs> so, not rich living from the Browns. South Carolina's. There's a couple big cities. I mean, there's a couple historic places, but I got some some in-laws that live down that way. A Hartville, Heartland, Hart. Uh, In the whatever. Heartland. And they, they're like, oh, these little towns are just tiny little towns. South Carolina's not very big either. That's true. I mean, I'm picturing it, it's probably like a quarter the size, the lower the lower peninsula of Michigan, you think? Uh, it's, a third to a quarter? It's not. When you're doing that, yeah, yeah. it's not a big chunk. But if you want to take that even further, start comparing U- European nations to it, maybe it is kind of big. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's larger than an Andorra. <laughs> but transpose some of them European nations on a map of the United States, and you'll appreciate how big we are. And then do that again with, like, Russia. Russia's huge. 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 Well, James doesn't get to Ru- Actually, we will get James to Russia. But for right now, let's go back to 1937. James is four years old. His mom leaves due to an abusive marriage, and moves to New York. With the kid? Nope. Jay, James stays with Joe. 
How old was he? Four. Huh. 1939, a couple years later, Joe moves uh, James and his aunt to Augusta, Georgia, and starts some more work or bigger trees. So his mom just, like, beat it? She's like, dude, I'm tired of living in this abusive marriage. I'm out. Usually you take your kid with you. Uh, You'd think so. That sounds uh, like she just so, wanted to go to New York. <laughs> they move uh, They move in with James' aunt, Honey. And uh, guess what kind of job Aunt Honey has? Prostitute. She runs a bordello on U.S. Highway 1. Nailed it. What's a bordello, Ben? It's where prostitutes work. Gotcha. We Isn't got a, it? Yes. We got a quote here from uh, James on growing up in a bordello. Quote, I guess I saw and heard just about everything in the world in that house where the soldiers were with those women. Oh, I bet. Well, because there's an army base down that I, way. I bet. I bet there so, is. Yeah. <laughs> you probably see a lot. Oh, my gosh. And he was how old? Uh, he would have been Five, like six, six seven. seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So I, That's a lot more than just having a few Playboys in the basement. As we've talked about, the Browns didn't have a lot of money, and James was embarrassed to go to school wearing raggedy clothes. Not because he lived in a whorehouse, but just because he had a couple, like, his clothes weren't in season, you know. I think going living in a whorehouse would be like, dude, I want to be friends with that guy. <laughs> can, I, uh, can we go to your house after school and play? <laughs> you know, what kind of snacks you got at your house? No snacks? Still fine with it. Let's go. Let's go. That's fine. Uh, one day, young James brings home an old pump organ, and he discovered he had a natural knack for the music. Yeah? An yeah. old pump. Oh, yeah. can I interject something here? Please I'm gonna, do. That's your <laughs> job. I'm gonna, so we went on vacation here, my family, whatever, up north. That's what we call the northern part of Michigan is up north for all y'all. North Clare. All, all of our non-Michiganders here. So we went to, um, it was raining one day. You know, we're at the like area where beaches and stuff. But it was raining, so we had to find something inside. There was this, up in Traverse City, there was this museum that was um, uh, all dedicated to old turn-of-the-century uh, music pieces, not like violins and stuff, but like old um, pump organs and player pianos oh. and these like very vaudevillian sort of machines that made music. Did they work still? Or oh, just all of them worked, awesome. and they played them all for you. They have this monster, <laughs> awesome. huge organ there that plays. It takes up like all the entire loft, and it's big pipes. There's a billion. It's like the biggest one ever made or wow. the biggest one still around. Sure. And then they got this other thing, so when you would watch – um the the movies back in the day there was no sound of the movies yeah you know you go and watch and so there'd be like somebody playing a piano maybe or an organ and had some maybe some little noises the train's coming right at me well they got this thing where they have not only is it a, a p- big huge piano but there's a billion buttons to it and there's ah. room with like bl- wood wood blocks like clangers and, and clangers and, and, yeah. and, and <laughs> Like, noises. It is awesome. It was up just north of, like, between Traverse City and Elk Rapids. I got a... Oh, God. Those things have a name like an automatron or something like that. Well, they they you, talked about automatrons. Automatrons have, is like a little robot, and they had one there, but it didn't play, play music. thing, and, like, yeah, you're, you're, one human being was working like a whole concert band. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. They had Flipping this, pedals and pushing buttons and kicking bars and things. They had this one piano there that play, you see the keys all playing themselves and stuff. Player piano. It was made um, well there's a few different like to get dis, to get into it. There's a few different types of player pianos. Oh wow. And <laughs> We're going only, deep. Only the Americas like the player pianos where the keys moved because the Europeans thought that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and the Germans were like that's just too much work. I'm not doing that. So but there was one they restored from Fisher the Fisher family, the Fisher body like of, Fisher body of plants, GM, Ford. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 
that uh, auto manufacturing fishers. Yeah, it was it was after the fishers gave it to some dude in like Notre Dame and he sat in his office. They ripped it apart for wow. a while and they got it back, restored it. This place was cool. I wasn't that excited to go to it. And then we walked in, they told us how much it cost. Because I had my family like, this is going to cost me $85 to go to this museum. <laughs> Ended up, good AAA discount. The kids didn't get charged that much because there were three of them, whatever. It cost us like 50 bucks to get through it, I think, 40 bucks. Nice. I was okay with that. But after I went through, I'm going to recommend it to everybody. It was cool. It was very cool. Uh, All right. You this can went along. What's it called? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, he uh, got his phone out. No. It's the only music place up in Traverse City that has it. Google it. Google the music yeah. place thing in Traverse City, Michigan, everybody. Hey, Siri, oh, what's God. the music place in Traverse City that has a player piano? Let's see what they have to say on Siri. Uh, she doesn't know. Oh, she's still listening to me. <laughs> Which one? All the, Siri. All the series are going. Rap God by Eminem. Siri, you're, you're, all right. you're my queen. I'm a rap God. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Brian. Well, more Ray Charles. More uh, James Brown. Ah, what'd I say? <laughs> Free Charles. James is not blind. All right. We'll get into his exorbitant fashion sense later. He's very much a visual person. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I've seen some of the capes he wore. Oh, we'll get to the cape story. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. To earn money... Much like your museum did, James would uh, shine shoes. The Music House. That's what it's called. I, that was a deep name. The Music the House. The Music House. In I think Traverse I, City. I think I, the Music House of Traverse City. Everybody check it out, y'all. All right. All right. So he didn't play the organ to make money yet. He would shine shoes uh, and go pick things like cotton and peanuts, and he'd deliver groceries. You know, he's just trying to make trying to make a buck, get out of them shabby clothes. Yeah. He learned how to play the drums, the piano, and the guitar. James stayed in school until sixth grade, and literally one source I read said he got tired of people making fun of his clothes, so he stopped going to school. I can I I I get that. I get that. Don't pick on the kids, people. I, I get that. I, you yeah. Don't, you don't know the situation, man. I my mom bought me some of the hideous, god awful clothing when I was a kid, and we had hand me downs, and it was tough going to school and getting made fun of because you didn't wear we whatever. Were- to a school that was a little statusy, you know, like nine oh two one oh elementary school was kind of and our I school. I was poor. <laughs> wasn't wasn't living big myself. I'm the youngest of three boys, and uh, yeah, I got a lot of hand me downs. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they make fun of your shoes that they buy at Hamity. My mom bought our shoes at the grocery store wow. out of a bin, and they weren't <laughs> in a box. There were just two shoes, maybe a right and a left, and the laces were kind of tied together. <laughs> it's just like you just dug through the bin. There's some shoes. Try these on, Ben. Mom, I didn't wear socks. Here's a bread bag. Put your bread bag on first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure I'm as poor as James Brown was. You're, it seems like you had a similar scru- struggles. Yeah, yeah. We're, I grew up a poor black man, Brian. Well, did you ever go into a uh, talent show? Like perform at a talent show? No. No? All right. <laughs> I can clearly attest, and every one of our audience can agree with me that I don't have any talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and James differ. Age 11, 1944, James begins singing in local talent shows. Uh, he sings the ballad one time called So Long. I don't know. Mm, That's mm, all I got. So mm, Long. So Long. Mm. Won the show. Huh? James would go on to perform at Buck Dances. Buck. We've covered a buck dance before. What's a buck dance, it's Brian? A, it's a clogging type of folk dance. I think the word buck dance came up in a previous show of ours. I believe you might be right. Or maybe. Or a juke maybe. cop. Or a, there's a lot of names for parties, people. Yeah, yeah. Whatever your favorite name is, send it to us on the social medias. I went to a buck's party once when I get, went to Australia. That's oh, a bachelor party. There you go. It was cray cray. <laughs> Two minutes off the plane, this dude's like, hey, we're going to a bachelor party. Uh, I just got off a 
15-hour flight. Oh, we're going to go to this bachelor party, and you're going to enjoy yourself. Where was this during the Rolf Harris episode? Or else, our one it, Australian. I, I, well, I, I, I don't know. All right. Anyway, uh, here we go. He, uh, James, would play and sing for change from the troops coming back from Camp Gordon because it was about the start <laughs> yeah, of World War II. Going, going to the brothel. And the convoys would travel around town by his aunt's brothel, and James would be like, I got a song for you, and they'd flip him a couple bucks and, well, a couple coins. Uh, James was inspired to become an entertainer after having heard Caledonia. That's a song by Louis Jordan and his Timpani Five. And and this is back in the mid-40s now? 44. Yeah, okay. So I'm not going to recognize any of the names of these songs. You might have heard them or the melodies. I don't know the names. No, no. Well, here, this one you don't need to know about. James found early success as a boxer. Really? Got into a boxing gym, and he's left-handed. And so that and he's got a weird kind of funky movement style, so it kind of confused his opponents. Huh. And then he realized quickly that, I don't, I don't want to get punched in the face for a living. Well, I mean, he, he looked like he got punched in the so. face a little bit, but he was a little dude, too. Yeah, he was. He was not. I guess you fight your weight class, so whatever. Exactly. 1948, James is 15 years old. To get money to buy some decent school clothes, he's like, all right, boxing ain't working, picking peanuts isn't working, shining shoes isn't working, maybe I go back to school. Uh, he'd steal stuff from unlocked cars. That's <laughs> <laughs> And he it's gets honorable. caught. It's honorable. And he's caught, convicted, and is sentenced to 8 to 16 years what? at the Georgia Juvenile Training Institute. Oh, <laughs> 8 to 16 years in a boys' penitentiary? Yeah, in a children's prison. Uh-huh, he's going to kind of not be a child in a minute. While in jail, James forms a gospel quartet. Okay. You're going to be singing in jail in a quartet. You're going to catch a nickname. What do you think they called him? McNasty. No. Uh, J- J- JB. JB's going to come up later. All they right. call the music box. All right. I wouldn't have guessed that. Me, <laughs> me neither. Well, I, then why'd you have me guess? I, you know, I always want you to know. All right. McNasty and the, ju- J- the music box. The music box. So, uh, while playing a baseball game outside the detention center, James meets this guy, Bobby Bird. And he's a singer, a band leader, like a talent scout record producer from back in the day. And he's in, he's in the jail or he just... No, he's outside because, you know, it's a kid's kids prison so so they just let him go outside they let him go bit. outside every once in a while okay. james is playing ball and this guy uh bobby was like hey i heard about this guy music box and i kind of wanted to, to meet him you know bobby Bird. so here's here's there's another famous thing that you like famous another thing that happens a lot the warden likes james's singing <laughs> hey these, warden please let me out yeah these wardens just <laughs> treat the inmates like their own personal little jukebox here he also appreciate James's commitment to gospel music. Sing for me, boy. More so, feeling. 1952, after serving three years of his 8- to 16-year sentence, James is paroled. Yeah, how many years? Uh, three. Three. Yep. Eight? Jeez. <laughs> they really didn't mean it. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you getting out of some cars back in the 40s? I don't even well, know if you I, got sunglasses. I can't like, believe what are you, you're, what are you getting, you're, getting, you're getting pinned for so many years for just stealing out of a few cars. Well, that... Might have had something to do with some other factors, I'm imagining, like some racial relations down that, in South oh, Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, so. hey, let's just put them out away for as long as we want. Yep. Nah. So, but immediately upon release, James forms a gospel trio, the Three Swannies. The s- Three Swannies. Yeah, he's got Bobby Bird. Bob, of course he's got Bobby I'm not going anywhere without Bobby Bird. Bobby Bird. And he's got fellow inmate Terry Johnson, who sticks with James for a while after this. They moved the group to Macon, Georgia, because um, Little Richard and the Five Royals kind of made Macon like the music mecca at that time. 
Making bacon pancakes, yeah. making bacon pancakes. Put some bacon up in them pancakes. Now, when my wife and I were coming back from a trip uh, a while ago, we stopped in Macon, Georgia to buy some gas. And uh, we almost got sex trafficked. So we didn't have the greatest experience in Macon, Georgia. <laughs> were they blind, Brian? <laughs> no. sex trafficking your ass. Well, not me, but I do travel with my wife. They got so. a big big old sting going there in uh, the Flint Town. They just found 12 dudes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, and the sheriff, who's kind of a dick, and I like him a lot. Because <laughs> he's a dick? I think he is. <laughs> he's going to put him in pink outfits. And... He put all their pictures up on a big, huge poster board during the press conference with their names under all wow. their all their mug shots. Nice. You should. So, oh, yeah. So uh, they're not convicted. They're just, they were arrested. Yeah. And they were, they were, they were, you know, they got, they went through, they're all Subject on parole. Subject Or they're on um, release, waiting yeah. for trial. Out on bail. But all their picture has been on all of the local media's Facebook and TV. I I, Googled, I was like looking at him on Facebook. I'm like, that guy looks really happy in that picture. <laughs> you know, it's handy that you can look up like all the sexual offenders on a list on your phone. But then you're like, I don't know if I want to know who's around me, man. Oh, I do. Oh Heck my yeah, goodness. I got kids. It oh. might, yeah, but it might be too freaky. You're like, oh my God, that guy and that guy and well, this lady and those knowing's people. Ha- knowing's half the battle. Yo, Joe. Well, as fun as that topic was, 1953, uh, James doesn't want to go sex trafficking. He marries a lady named Velma Warren. Velma? Velma. That's a nice name. Chinkies. Uh, They eventually will have three kids together. They're all boys. Teddy, Terry, and Larry. (laughs) This is my brother Teddy, my other brother Terry, and my other brother Larry. Uh, Teddy goes on to be a singer, but but, we'll get there. All right. James is married. So Jacob Dylan. There you go. Uh, 1954... Once in Macon, they start playing more gigs. They, they, they're they like, you know what? Rhythm and blues is a little bit more popular than the gospel. So they kind of switch to rhythm and blues, R&B, and they change their name to the Flames. Ooh, the Swanee Boys to the Flames. The, the three Swannies to the Flames. And then they hire this manager, Clint Brantley. Now, he's Little Richard's manager, and Clint said, you should add famous to the name. Yeah, sometimes you got to add a little, little so, the Famous Flames. The Famous Flames. You know, little Richard's still so he. Well, I don't know if he's alive anymore, but he says he's the Godfather or the 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 God. He's invented soul. <laughs> he he may have, and everybody stole it from him. Yeah, <laughs> that's possible. 1956, the famous Flames don't steal anything. They cut a record. Please, please, please. It's uh, it's awesome. People love it. It peaks at number six on the R and B charts. They changed the name of the group to James Brown and the Famous Flames. Oh, he's getting a little bit more famous here. Making moves. James uh, had the Famous Flames, the singing group, and he also had a backup band that he traveled around. They were referred to as the James Brown Orchestra or the James Brown Band. Completely separate entity from the Flames. So sometimes maybe he'd have the orchestra play. That was the back in like the Flames are the singing group. Yeah, and then you know the the James Brown band was the guys playing the instruments behind them. But they were on the stage at the same time. Yes, but okay. then sometimes James would just go out with the James Brown band, and he would be the only singer. No, I I think that wasn't too uncommon, and it's still not today. You have you have these big bands maybe will be able to play for a for a smaller band or just an individual, but that's very logistically it's very tough to say get an entire band i mean you know a 14 piece ensemble i just feel like james is double dipping now he's like hey i'll sing with you guys that's cool one paycheck no this is my other band let's go out get two paychecks no i think all these people are glomming on to some talent 
Oh, well, that's And that's too. fine. The They're all very works. talented, but you need that spearhead, and that's what James Brown was. He was, a, he was the tip. He was the tip of the spear. 1960, the James Brown band releases top ten hit, Mashed Potatoes. Mashed Potatoes. Or ha. Do the Mashed Potatoes. Do the Mashed Potatoes. Mashed Potato. Do, do the, the twist. twist. Do, do the twist. Tell me, baby. Tell me, baby, do, do you, you like it like this? Wow, that's aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic masculinity on the other side of this microphone, Brian. Yeah. Due to label issues, they were called Nat Kendrick and the Swans. What? Yeah, they, you know, because the label owns certain rights and people are signed to certain contracts. And so rather than just go through a bunch of paperwork, they're like, just call them Nat Kendrick and the Swans. And I wonder when I wrote this, is that where Kendrick Lamar got that name from? Because I don't think his real name is Kendrick. Oh, I have no idea that dude. You're supposed to know these things, that Ben. Dude. Um, so I think that was very, it still probably happens today. These extremely talented musicians, they need that industry to help push them. Maybe not as much today, but the industry is all about making money. The musicians are all about making music. So you got to go ahead and name your th- yourself different things. Dude, have you heard of these 360 deals they're called? If no. you sign, what? it's called the 360 deal. Like, if you sign a record deal, the record company owns you, your songs, your likeness, your social media at that point, in a lot of cases. That's why you got to see people, like, posting, I love these uh, whatever face cream strips or something like that, you know? And you're like, wait, you're a pop star. Why do I care about that? Because it's a whole thing that you're caught up in. Like, they own every part of your visual presence. Oh, you sell your soul. So, and then you make money off of touring, which is why you see New Kids on the Block and Salt and Peppa still out there cranking away. Let's talk about sex, baby. No, that's why you see Salt and Pepper and TNKB. I'm a good husband, damn it. I bet there's one person. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah. Thanks. Next card. Next card. <laughs> James releases the hit-filled album Think with the Flames and then releases two more albums with the James Brown band with songs like I'll Go Crazy and Think. Think, think, think about no, what you're trying to do to me. Different. Di- she's a Detroiter. We're naming a, we're naming a street Let's after her. Street. You know that? Freedom. You know we're naming a street after Freedom. AF? No, I did not know that. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that is an Aretha Franklin song. She might have sang it, but maybe James Brown wrote it. Because they release oh. all these songs a bunch of different You're times. right. We'll no, get I'm... there in a minute, man. You're going to hear about uh, Joe Tex. And, yeah, so 1962, James Brown Band lands a top five R&B hit with Night Train. Night yeah. Train. All right. Night Train. Um, basically, we're, we're building up James Brown. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows who James Brown is, but we got to go through the motions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. You got to hear about how well, awesome James Brown is and how good he is at music. Well, you you got to like, stack him up. Yeah, got to get him up there on that pedestal. So, James has a crazy idea for his next album. Live. Just do a live album? Live album. And everybody, the record company, is totally against it. Nobody buys live albums. They're terrible. We lose a lot of money on live albums, James. Oh, really? And James, well, 1962. And then James is like, yeah, but you got to like, you gotta feel it, man. Like, he, he believed in living the music on stage. That well, was sort he of his was, philosophy. He was, uh, he was, part, he was very, his stage presence was very high. And I wonder if a lot of live albums were incredibly hard to to make. Oh gosh! Just because of the lack of technology, lack of microphones, being able to pick it up. Because you look at these guys in the studio, mm-hmm. and their their faces right up on the mic. So if they start talking and they're doing a live show from back here, you can't hear them singing. You can't. And so the you got to get them back up on the mic, and that's very hard for them to do with the with the stuff back then. 
and there's no auto-tune software, so like these guys had to actually be good to play for music. That's like, a know. shot to everybody making music today, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, Brian? Zing. We haven't had a grumpy old Brian rant yet. Oh, what I'm ready to bring it. The one-year anniversary rant. <laughs> the one-year anniversary rant. Live at the Apollo is released on June 1962, becomes an instant hit, reaches number two on the top LP charts, sells over one million copies, stays on the charts for 14 months. What? Wow. Apollo was in New York City? Correct. All right. 1963, James scores his first top 20 pop hit with a cover of <coughs> Prisoner of Love. I don't know. Do, I, do we know these songs yet? I, I don't know Prisoner of Love. I'm sure. I, what I've started doing is when I'm writing up episodes, I literally put on just music from that artist. So I heard all of this. So for hours and hours, it was like, like over and over. I'm like, I don't even know if this is the same song or not. So uh, I don't think I heard Prisoner of Love. A- Eddie Murphy did a great James Brown. <laughs> it hits my throat so... right now. So good, Eddie Murphy doing James Brown. I think he did it on a on a cop. Too hot in the hot tub. Ow. Yeah, and then he did the hot tub thing yeah, on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Live. <laughs> so yeah. hot in the hot tub. Ow! Good God, I want to kiss myself. Step back two times, two times. James launches his own record label, Try Me Records. Try me. All right. Try, try, try my me. record company. Acts like Johnny and Bill, two dudes from the Flames. Oh, okay. And uh, Tammy Terrell. Tammy Terrell? Yeah. All right, I don't know Also a, a group called The Poets. The Poets? Also known as the James Brown Band. <laughs> so basically, he's just remarketing all these people to run through his record label, Two Paychecks. It's basically what Captain Beefheart did. He just like, oh, we're going to call you the, what was his dumb band name? The, oh, stumped me. And then they, and then they, they all laughed. <laughs> <laughs> the so Magic they, Band, Captain Beefheart ma- and the Magic they, Band. Then they brought some other people in and they called them the Magic Band, but it was like the Magic Band light. This is the Magic Band. So, yeah. Right, James Brown's, this, this, this is what people do. Now remember, uh, this Tammy Terrell who was signed to his label. Heck yeah, Tammy Terrell. James starts a relationship with Tammy Terrell. I- She's 17. How old is James? Oh, gosh. 46, uh, somewhere no. in his late... 20s, early 30s. And she's 16? 17. Yeah, I can't make excuses for you, James. Depending Sorry, on the buddy. state, that might be totally legal. I don't, that doesn't matter. Tammy ends her personal and professional relationship with James after two years. She said it was due to his abusive behavior. Oh, yeah. 1963, at a gig in Macon, Georgia, as we discussed. Just watch yourself in Macon. James's homecoming gig, because, you know, that's where he's, he's from around that area. He's got this uh, other performer and rival on the, on the review with him, Joe Tex. You know who Joe Tex is? No. All right. Well, you're going to. Joe Tex, like T-E-X, yep. like Texas? You'll love this. He and James have beef. Oh, oh they beefing. That was that, that was not a term back then, was it? Uh, no. But oh, okay. I'm bringing it in because that's what we talk about here, people with beef. It was going to add some credibility to the uh, na- the word beef for me. The beefing. It didn't. No, they had a rivalry, they said. Somebody else described it as a frenemy and everyone else. Anyway, let's back up a bit. Uh, Joe Tex is an R&B singer. He's known for two hits, Skinny Legs and All, and uh, Ain't Gonna Bump No More with No Big Fat Woman. I got to get that on my, my iTunes playlist. Ain't Gonna Bump No More with No Big Fat Woman. Ain't they were Gonna bo- <laughs> Bump No More. Ain't, ain't Gonna ain't Bump No More. No more. With no, no big, big fat woman. I don't know. Is that like a triple negative? <laughs> so he isn't not gonna <laughs> right bump 
anymore. So more. He's going to be banging a bunch of big fat women. Honestly, so. one of the follow-ups, Joe Tex ended up with a large woman. So yeah, I think he was. That's what his song was about. Ain't gonna bump no more with no big fat women. All right. The both Joe and uh, James were signed to imprints of King Records. So basically, they had the same bosses telling them what to do. Yeah, fight with each other, guys. It's yeah, making well, us a lot of money. This one time, James asked Tex for a battle, like during a juke joint dance. Like a rap battle? I feel like it was like a stage battle or a dance battle. Ooh. And uh, that, because of that, Tex leaves King Records one year later. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. You guys are really into James Brown. He goes up to Detroit here, signs with Anna Records, releases the song Baby, You're Right. Oh, okay. I bet he recorded right down there in uh, Hitsville, USA. Yeah. 1961, a year after Texas release, James records a version of that same song, Baby, You're Right. He changes up the lyrics a little bit and the music composition and releases his version of it. James did this? Yeah. And because James was a bigger name, he outsold Joe Tex. Oh, no. That's mean. It's funny. On top of that, James hired Tex's ex-wife singer, B. Ford, to record the song, You've Got the Right... So he recorded, he got, he not only stole the song, he stole the guy's woman. Well, his ex-wife, and again, she records a different song that's called You've Got the Power. Oh. You got the power. We we sing these songs (laughs) like they're the songs. Well, I'm doing You Got the Touch from the Transformers movie in 1984 or whatever it was. You got the touch. You got the power. It could be a million years from today, and people listen to this podcast as a religion, and people would have never picked up that reference, Brian, uh, if you would not had explained it. That's why I have to explain them. All right. All right. So anyway, this is the scene. Joe and and James are going back and forth. A short while later, Tex gets a letter from James saying uh, he was through with B, and if Tex wanted her back, he could have her back. Sloppy seconds. So Tex uh, responded by recording a diss track called You Keeper. (laughs) <laughs> where he calls out James by name. Oh wow! Like, this was old. This is some. These are some hardcore. This thugger, is original. Yeah, some hardcore thuggery going on. Told here. you this is beef. This, beef. This is beef. They Before beef, beef, beef was beef. Uh, quote: James, I got your letter. It came to me today. You said I could have my baby back, but I don't want her that way. I want my baby, baby back, back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. Chili's baby, baby back. back. We're not a sponsor. So now we got that, right? And uh, wh- all right, we got to go over the cape routine. You talked about the cape routine with James Brown, right? Yeah, he had capes and robes and all stuff. Right, here's, the ca- here's the cape routine, and we will get back to Joe Tex. The cape routine, it's a trademark feature of James's stage show. During the song, please, 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 James drops to his knees, clutches the microphone stand, and then MC Danny Ray, this dude, would come out and drape a cape over James's shoulders, like helping him. Like, yeah. like, well, yeah, right. like this man's cold, and he's like, he's he's having a tough time singing this song. He gave everything to the show. Danny would then help get him up and escort the exhausted James yeah. off the stage. But as they're leaving, right, the famous Flames would continue singing, right. So it's like it's please, please, please. Yeah, they would go please, please, don't go, don't go. This, you and James would shake off the cape, and he'd stagger all his might back to the microphone stand, kind of like a Hulkamania thing. I was going to say, this <laughs> he'd do his encore. Now, this is the thing. This that was 100% Hulk Hogan. No, but where did Hulk Hogan get it? From the crowd. He's inspired by Gorgeous George. This is Gorgeous George Pro Wrestling, same bit. He would get down. Oh, gorgeous. They would come out and bring a cape and put him over him, and then Gorgeous George, ah! 
come back, baby. So Gorgeous George had a cape put on him? Yup. So where... Gorgeous George is doing this from James Brown then? No, James Brown is doing this from Gorgeous George. Oh, really? Really. I, I That's Gorgeous George. It's a name I've heard. Yes, your buddy Matt about Gorgeous George. He'll tell you. That's old school. Bruno San Martino wrestling like pre yeah, that. like the, older than the that. The Mauler and like all these things. Jerry Mauler. Yeah, they're, well, no, Jerry yeah, Mahler. well, Hulk Hogan, we like, you can't, no matter how hard you hit me in the face, and they get up and, and flex and then beat the guy up a little bit. Well, that is exactly what happens. <laughs> Macon, Georgia. The Macon, Georgia James gig. somebody up? 1963. This is uh, a show, a gig that James and Tex were playing at the same time. So Tex was the opening act, and he comes out, and he's wearing a tattered-up cape. And he starts rolling on the floor. He's like, oh, get it off me. Get it off me. Get this cape off me. It's killing me. Oh, my God. Making fun of James. <laughs> so then after the show, uh, Tex is hanging out, like, with the rest of the musicians, you know, who played before. You know how these guys will play a gig. And then, like, if you're the opening act, you're like, I ain't sticking around here. I'll go to another bar, catch another band. So Tex is hanging out at Club 15. And uh, James knows that. So he gets the tour bus and he drives over there. James drives the tour bus? Yep, James drives the tour He's bus. kind of a short little man. How do you reach the pedals? Now, here's the fun part. Otis Redding and the Pine Toppers are playing at this Club 15, right? Oh, yeah. So you've heard, heard of Otis, Otis Redding. Redding. Right. Not the Pine Toppers. Well, whatever. So James heads in, carrying two shotguns into the club. Oh, shit. Start shooting up, <laughs> shooting up the place. Are you serious? Swear to God. <laughs> James is shooting. Somebody on Texas side is shooting back. He's got two shotguns. Yeah, two shotguns. One in each hand, like like uh, Terminator style. Go 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 go. Is are they lever action shotguns so he can flip them around and 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 cock another bullet or shell into the chain? It's not the rifleman, Ben. No, they had shotguns like that too. Well, I don't know, but before it's over, let's say it was. Let's say it was because he did. He he got a lot of them because before it's over, seven people got shot. No shit. Tex was out back hiding behind bushes and trees. That's where I'd be at and with then Tex. This, the, the band manager for uh, the Flames and James Brown, this guy was going around handing out $100 bills to anybody who had blood coming out of them <laughs> so that they wouldn't, quote, take it no further. Yeah, that's a great idea. James Brown uh, heads out to the tour bus. People see him peeling off <laughs> out of the driveway. And uh, after getting away with shooting seven people, um, no charges were filed. The good old days, huh? Yep. The good old days. Just a little payola. Uh, The good old days in the South. Joe Tex died eventually of a heart attack in 1982. Huh. Enough of him then, huh? (laughs) That's the... And there's the Joe Tex story. (laughs) That's the story of Joe Tex. Oh, there's a James Brown story, though, Brian. Yes, that's true. Uh, James was a hit with audiences, but his band wasn't too happy with him back then. I don't know if you know this. James had a lot of rules for being in his band. Yeah. Yeah, no drugs. What? No alcohol. What? Can't be late. Got to have your shoes polished. You got to wear your bow tie and your cummerbund to practice. Uh, and if you didn't do it right, James would give you a fine. I don't like the no drugs and alcohol part. <laughs> well, the well, that'll change. <laughs> Wait till we get to the 80s. <laughs> so James would occasionally like be dancing on the stage, and he would turn his back to the crowd, right? And it looked like he was conducting the band. But what he was actually doing was signaling to band members who were in violation of the rules, or if you sang a wrong note, or you like hit the beat on the wrong thing, you'd be like, okay, and you get a fine, and you get a fine, hey, <laughs> ow, you get a fine, spin, you get a fine too, and then he'd go back to singing the thing, and everyone's like, ah, oh, look at him, he's conducting, he's dancing, he's singing. He's handing out fines. Why are the band so pissed? Let's, well, those guys look mad. <laughs> so here's another one too, this is fun. If James thought the opening act were going to upstage him, 
he would shorten their set times or uh, he'd be like, don't play that song. That's too big of a hit. I don't want you playing that song before me. And if all else failed and they were still able to sort of sound good, James would be like, I'm going to sit in on the drums for you tonight. And then wreck it. And then wreck it. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. This guy. (laughs) So over the years, band members who have worked with James Brown has accused him of denying writing credits and screwing him out of royalties. Leaving them stranded on the side of the road after kicking them <laughs> off the tour bus, stealing their girlfriends, uh, threatening them with guns, uh, and erratic behavior due to drug use, which was against the band policy. This is nothing new in this podcast. All those <laughs> things have happened many a time. It's true. On the back of this, it's the late 1960s now. James is becoming a prominent voice in the civil rights movement. He appeared on some TV to calm down uh, the crowds in Boston and Washington, D.C. riots after the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination. Um, he also endorsed Richard Nixon for president. So he's kind of like doing uh, some back-and-forth politics. Here, huh? yeah. Everybody likes music, Ben. Both sides. Yeah. Due to a lot of James's rules, um, a lot of musicians and singers, they, they change fast. There's a lot of turnover in the Famous Flames. Yeah, but they're just the... They're just the band. Yeah, well, there's so much turnover. James is like, enough, and he disbands the group in 1971. And Hmm. he starts a new band called the JBs. Well, what's the difference? (laughs) I believe all of this is like paperwork and like (laughs) accounting issues. They're just like, oh, contracts. No, you're called the JBs now. Get back here. Though, they sound different, though, honestly. The JBs are different because they're labeled as funk. They're not R&B anymore. They're not soul. The guy literally invented a sound called funk. So he had a slap. He had, he had a slap bass going. Right. So 1971. This is cool. You got the brothers Catfish and Bootsy Collins. I love those names. Yeah, yeah. They were in the JBs. The Catfish and Bootsy. Now remember, uh, there's a rule about drugs. <laughs> there was a rule. I yeah. have a feeling it's about to change. Catfish and Bootsy intentionally took some LSD. <laughs> well, yeah. That's... Right before a gig, and uh, James is like, uh, I can't have you guys. So James fires him, right? Where do they go next? You've heard of these people. You know who Bootsy Collins is, right? No. He's the bass player for George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, they didn't have any problem with that. <laughs> they did not have a problem with Catfish and Bootsy, and you can follow their careers with George Clinton and the P-Funk. Yeah. I've, I I Actually, when we were doing Guest the Guest, I thought maybe that's one of the na- the the visuals I had was George Clinton. You'll have visuals if you're thinking about George Clinton, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, just walk behind him in All the, right, 1973, in line. unfortunately, James's son Teddy is killed in a car accident. He was headed from a singing gig, and just accidents are accidents. Yeah, so. yeah, a lot of them happened. Also in 1973, the IRS uh, attempts to collect $2 million in back taxes from James. And uh, James had built a decent business empire. He had several radio stations. He had a booking agency, 17 publishing companies. No accountants. A record label, a production company, and a Learjet. No accountant. And that sounds like a good spot right there. If you're talking Learjets, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, the continuing story of James Brown. Oh, God, it just hurts my throat. Hi there, I'm Levi Page. I'm a journalist and host of the true crime podcast, Crime and Scandal. Join me every week as I take a deep dive into scandalous true crime stories and unsolved mysteries. 
On Crime and Scandal, I have episodes up on the shooting of Trayvon Martin, the young man shot to death by a trigger-happy neighborhood watchman in Florida, the Darley Routier murder case. A young woman is convicted in the 90s for the brutal stabbing death of her two children. Could she actually be innocent? Plus, I examined the child abuse allegations that followed pop star Michael Jackson for decades before his death. Are you interested yet? Those are just some of the topics I tackle. If you want to start listening, search Crime and Scandal in your Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Creepy man, what? I want to be a golf announcer. I am back. I have candy in my van for all the little children. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. All right. Speaking of terrible things, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Actually, this is pretty bad. July sixteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. While performing on stage at the legendary Apollo Theater. Mm-hmm. James is arrested for failing to turn in some paperwork for one of his newly bankrupt radio stations. He he's arrested on the stage. On the stage, or this is this is a either or or both for leaving the country during the investigation of the bankruptcy on his radio that, stations. That's there's a better time to do it than on the stage. They knew he would be there, and they knew what time. <laughs> it's pretty easy investigation work. Well, I guess. according to this flyer, Mr. James Brown will be on the stage at seven. I say we pick him up then. That's promptly at 7. The 1980s. James makes his way to the big screen. Uh, We're talking about Apollo. He comes out and films like Rocky IV. Yeah. The Godfather of Soul. That's his, like, his. And the Godfather of Soul, played by James Brown. Yeah, Rocky IV. Yeah, he was also in the Blues Brothers. Yep, he was in the Blues Brothers. And I'm a, I, I can't, I can't even explain to you how big of a fan of that movie I am. I'm top, my with top you. five. Top I love. I agree. Yeah. I love it. I had no idea. He's also in Doctor Detroit. Uh, I should have led with Doctor Detroit. Detroit. I feel like it's a Chevy Chase movie. I think something or yeah, somebody. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Well, back to Rocky Four. James wins a Grammy for Living in America. Something else. (laughs) From Kingston to Kingston. Living in America. Ha ha! Going to kiss myself. Good God! I like it. That's pretty good. Yeah, just that's just Eddie Murphy. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's James Eddie. Brown. It's James. It's James, James Brown. Murphy. James Murphy. 1984. Good Van Halen album, but James marries solid gold TV show hairstylist Adrian Modell Rodriguez. Hey, back to the Rocky. That's beautiful. Right back to Rocky. That's beautiful. Uh, drug use significantly, PCP, angel dust as it was, uh. was a major factor in their marriage. Oh, what, a negative factor or just 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 a factor? We'll see if it goes good or bad for him here in a minute. Marriage is tricky, Ben. You know, yeah, I know gin and tonic's a factor in my marriage. It's man. a series of compromises. More gin, more tonic. What do I do? Yeah. 1986. James is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was a big name then. By this time, I mean he is huge. It, it was, huge. He was on Rocky Four, man. Quote about that. That night, I was being inducted. I think I felt for the first time that the struggle was over. That was it? It wasn't being on Rocky IV? Uh, you know? With I, Ivan Dragov? I what? guess Sylvester Stallone's not as intimidating in person. He's little. 
Yeah. So. Well, so he's still Lester Blows still the illusion, you know. You're just like, Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. 1988, James releases uh, his final two top ten R&B hits, I'm Real, which hit number two, and Static, which got to number five. Hmm. Now, this is the cool part, because it's the 80s, right? So, the drum break from James's songs, particularly 1969 hit, Give It Up or Turn It Loose. Give it up, turn it loose. Give it up. Anyway, that becomes a hugely popular uh, hip-hop thing, like the hip-hop dance parties where they just run the loops on the records and the guy just brings it back and they play the breakdown, as it were. Yeah. They got so much of that stuff. Uh, hip-hop pioneer Curtis Blow dubbed it the National Anthem of Hip-Hop. Really? Yep. They just play that one part over and over? Yeah. Have you not been to a hip-hop street party in the 80s? Uh, I was kind of seven. <laughs> well, all right. So yeah, of course. I was, you know, down getting getting the cardboard out and parachute my, pants. My, my big red ghetto blaster. I had. let it fly. Oh, nope. uh, I do kind of miss ghetto blasters. I'm annoyed when people play their music without earbuds now, but I do miss ghetto blasters. Yeah, you put that up on your shoulder, walk down the streets. Give it up, turn it loose. And they everybody and they must had, listen to what I listen to. <laughs> and they had headphones back then. Oh yeah, big old headphones, good ones. No, they had some small. They had. They had a few different options for your music choices. So right there, we're breaking into new genres. James is like on Rocky. He's he's doing great. Right, we're in the eighties, and there's still a lot of cards left. Yeah, right. So, uh, well, so April third, his music career has peaked. come to the crescendo. We might have crescended, crescended the zenith. Ooh, nice usage. All right. April 3rd, uh, 1988, James gets arrested for assaulting his wife with a lead pipe and then shooting her car during an argument. See, I don't think he hit her with a lead pipe or assaulted her with a lead pipe. Maybe the car? No, there oh. are no lead pipes. There's, <laughs> there, I mean, they're not made, they might have a little percentage of lead in them, but they're like cast iron pipes or, or, or copper pipes. This is copper, yeah. This is not a lead pipe. A lead <laughs> pipe, you could like bend it. The Romans used lead pipe, and that was what killed them all. We didn't have no hazel, no in the in the kitchen Colonel mustard with the lead pipe. It wasn't a lead nah, pipe. You, you can't really. That's not gonna it work, was, guys. It was yeah. All right. Did you forge this lead pipe yourself a lead, before assaulting PP? A lead pipe would be so bad in actual construction. Continue. <laughs> Rant about lead. Then in May, uh, there's drug and weapons charges that happen for. Uh, James, unfortunately. Yeah. They don't really get specific into it. and I, I'm trying to think of the weapons charges, whether he had a pistol or a lead pipe again. I don't know. Well, who was it that traveled the country with his 44 everywhere? What would one uh, of our David artists? David Crosby. Yeah, he's just, I got a... That's Colt my, 45, baby. Yeah. That's what uh, I do. I'm legal to have this. I bet James Brown, it just going a couple little ticks of what you had in your cards earlier, had been beating his women since the 30s. Well, that's why Tammy and them left. Yeah. That's why the first one left. That's yeah. why his mom left. It mm. was a little easier to keep it quiet back so. before he was popular. Yeah. Yeah. Probably true. Well, okay, here's one. Remember Sonya Live? That was a TV show, Sonya oh, Live. Oh, wow. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. James is uh, doing an interview on Sonya Live, and she's asking him about the domestic assault, right, and stuff. And uh, he didn't want to talk about that. He's like, I told you, I just want to talk about my new record. I've seen stuff. this. I've seen this. I've seen this. Yes, <laughs> so I've seen this part. It was it was, it was, was uncomfortable. Instead of answering questions, James just starts out shouting out song titles. Yeah. She's like, so did you really assault your uh, wife with a lead pipe? And he's all, give it up, turn it loose. 
Yeah, he just got you know, weird. Right, and just started yelling out song titles, just looking at her, smiling. But who goes who goes on a show like that, like hers? That's what they were going to ask you. There. I mean, come what, on, What would your publicist say? Do not watch TV. He probably doesn't watch TV. September 24th, 1988. James burst through the door at an insurance seminar with a shotgun drawn. This is, okay, he had a shotgun. I'm going <laughs> to assume on that weapons charge, it was a shotgun. Now, it was, his, it was his flavor. Why did he go busting into an insurance seminar? There are two reasons. I didn't ask. Okay, one. <laughs> he complained that people from the seminar were using his private bathroom next door at his office. Totally reasonable. Words are hard. Totally reasonable reason to go bust into a door. Here's my bathroom. That's my charming toilet paper. I have a certain kind of lavender soap I like, and it's out. Those are I, guest soaps. You're not supposed I, to use those for daily use. No, those are. I'm a guest. So, no, uh, Re- I would do the same thing. That's enough reason right there. Reason one is yes. good enough for Ben. Well, reason two, James was also high on PCP. Again, double reason. Totally makes sense that you would do I those things. I think there's both of those in a court of law are, are actual. Re- good, you, oh, <laughs> PCP? Oh, and bathroom problems? Innocent. Take Wipe all charges away. We'll get there. Seriously, dude. You, you start using my bathroom when you're not supposed to use my bathroom. I don't like that. That's my bathroom. Well, because they have uh, shotguns in their face and a man high on PCP screaming about a bathroom, the insurance folks call the cops. So It's their fault, though. <laughs> well, I guess the first one to call the cops. So Victim blaming. Yeah. yeah. James flees the scene in his truck, and a high-speed car chase ensues. James Ryan is going around the city. James takes the cops on a multi-state chase. A multi-state chase? They take Interstate 20 from Augusta, Georgia, back to South Carolina. Yeah. Now, when they get to South Carolina, uh, the police are setting up a roadblock out there, right? And James is like, oh, so he slows down. They shoot his front tires out. So this is like, I saw this on that movie I was in, that Blues Brothers movie. (laughs) Now, because James slowed down and was going to stop, and then the cops shouted his tires out, James is like, oh, they're going to kill me. So he takes off again, right? That PCP hasn't ran out. <laughs> Fearing for his life, as soon as the cops go to reload, he hauls off on the on the busted rims. He's this like, is, I'm out. This is not that long of a drive from Macon to South Carolina, by the way. James circles back to Augusta, Georgia, with the police chasing him. Bring it, th- bring her back. Bring her back. <laughs> uh, eventually, he gets his truck stuck in a ditch, and uh, the police say James was incoherent when they grabbed him. And apparently, during the field sobriety test, James attempted to sing and dance, like, "See, I'm not drunk. Look at this. Ow, give it up. Turn me loose." <laughs> That's, I wrote this song for this reason. <laughs> it's finally paid off, guys. Somebody get me a warden around here. He'll he'll have some sympathy. <laughs> please, please, warden, won't you let me go? Uh, James was released on bail. Yeah. The next day, James is pulled over and arrested for driving under the influence of... PCP. PCP. PCP is the one where you just can't beat that guy up, right? The taser one. Oh, gee, yeah, going down. <laughs> I did tase him. He's like ripping it out of his chest and like, I'm King Kong. You can see, see those guys in those cop watching videos. She's just watch. The NFL one day will morph into an all-drug league, and PCP is going to have a big comeback. Oh, my God. So now let's go to the trial for the car chase and the insurance thingy and all that. Okay, they're on trial. The plan was for James to plead guilty, take a 90-day jail term. Just That was the plan. That I was the plan his, James, uh, his lawyers lawyer came up. said did it. Like, like yep, yeah, I did it. Just give me the jail. James goes rogue and declares his innocence. So they, singing and dancing. They have to take him through the whole trial. Oh, jeez. Yeah. James is convicted of aggravated assault. 
failing to stop for a police officer with its blue lights on. Oh, well, blue lights. Gotta stop for the blues. He receives a concurrent six-year sentence from Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, Probably wasn't worth the drive. <laughs> 90 days, dude. 90 yeah. days. Could have... Uh, James did not enjoy prison for three main reasons. <laughs> the ass rapings. <laughs> That's a given. There's an asterisk there. Uh, he didn't have his own bathroom. One. And they didn't let him take his shotguns with him. <laughs> no shotguns. You gotta share. Uh, number one. James was shocked to discover many of the young inmates had no idea who he was. <laughs> what a... This guy. This guy. Two. James was disappointed that his powerful friends did nothing to help him or even visit. Where's Nixon? Where's Dick? Yeah. Yeah. N- N- Nick. Well, at that time, where was Nixon? Uh, maybe in jail next. <laughs> no, he didn't go to jail. He no, just yeah. got a little. He just got a little bit in, impeached, and he and he like quit. And the third and final main reason James Brown did not like prison. James heard a lot of rap in prison, and there was a lot sampled from James Brown. He didn't like that so much of his music was being used on records he didn't approve of. <laughs> it's like what? The, that's my song. What do you? Oh man, I don't like this. It's hard song. to defend yourself behind bars, man. Uh, Sorry, sorry, James. James Brown is universally known as the most sampled artist of all time. Really? Really. Huh. I'm going to look at, I want to find like a a YouTube list of that and listen to the sampled stuff from James Brown. The breakdown from Give It Up, Turn It Loose is on 80 different rap songs, (laughs) man. You can just, it's like that uh, 45 Kings, man. There's just a couple of things that just never, they're in everything, right? Between 1987 and 1995, James is arrested four times on assault charges of his third wife, Adrian Rodriguez. Yeah, he was a, he, again, I have this sneaky suspicion. He grew up seeing his mom getting beat up, worked in a brothel. I'm sure that wasn't. Not pro-women, not feminist. Yeah, and, and then there was no, he could do it, he could get away with it. In a civil suit filed by backup singer Lisa Rushton, she alleged that from 1994 to 1999, James would demand sexual favors, and when she refused, James would cut her pay and keep her off stage. She also claimed James would put his hands on her buttocks and loudly instruct her in a crowded restaurant, no more, uh, not to look at or speak to another man besides himself. Yeah, well, this guy, he has, he has some issues. Just grab a butt cheek. You are not allowed to speak to any other man or look at them except me. You're supposed to grab their shoulders. Odd thing, Lisa eventually withdrew her lawsuit. I bet a little payola happened. Payola. James's third wife, 1996, Adrian, dies from taking prescription drugs and... PCP. PCP together. That was a big part of their, that was a big part of their marriage. She had a bad heart, and it was weak from having liposuction surgery uh. and doing PCP. And the PCP. So he was married, getting sued by other chicks for doing bad things. And she's just stuck. Stand by your man. That's where the PCP comes from. 1998, a woman named Mary Simmons filed a civil suit claiming that James held her captive for three days, demanding oral sex, and firing a gun in his office. Um, <laughs> it's my mom's fault, baby. That's a lot of time to be like, am I getting this beeger or what? <laughs> It's been two and a half days. Usually it's just about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning at the frat house, and you're like with this chick you met the night before. What frat house are you at, and who is this girl? <laughs> that was a, apparently a self-edit on the computer's part. We, we promise technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. Deliver what we say, my All man. Right. When uh, I start something, I finish it. No, you know, actually, there was uh, 
there were a couple different scenes where you're, you know, you're ho- like hooking up with a chick. And I was a gentleman. I didn't, you know, there's no, you got to have sex to be, be considered rape. I mean, whatever. So you're like hooking up with a chick and, it, and then the sun's coming up. You're like, I did not close this deal. This deal is so not closed. Is That's this, what James Brown did, but for like three days. Is this one of those stories where you gave but did not receive? No. Well, no. This not, <laughs> now I'm thinking one, yeah. Not that story, but not this one. <laughs> oh, we were the worst. That one-sided deal. Not, not because deal. we were bad. <laughs> not, Brian, we were the worst. Not because we were bad people, but we were just bad at being bad people. Yeah, so sheltered. Oh, my God. Well, unfortunately, Mary's charges were eventually dismissed also. Huh? More payola. Man. James is selling robes left and right to pay off these debt to the women that he was holding captive. Uh, At least they wasn't burning their ass with a crack pipe. Nice. Right? No, right? that's I'm true. Right? No, you're right. You're not burning people's abdomens Judge, I wasn't burning their ass with a crack pipe. No, I grabbed a handful of buttocks and told her not to look at other men. I didn't... But we just, can all... Uh, didn't right, Judge? Right. You know what I'm talking about. 1998, James spends a week in rehab for prescription pill addiction. Wow, he was a, he was a, he was a big front runner in that, I, th- I guess. One week later, James is arrested for unlawful use of a handgun and possession of cannabis. Ooh. Oh, he had a handgun. Well, yeah. Guess he's getting a little older. Couldn't couldn't really lift all those shotguns anymore. Shotguns a heavy item, man. Yeah. You know, you gotta. Uh, yet in another civil suit, singer Lisa Abalalia, who uh, worked for James, said James would say he had bull testicles. Handed her a pair of zebra print underwear and said, uh, "Wear them while I massage you with oil." And she refused, so James fired her. That is very specific. <laughs> that is so specific. Wear these zebra pipe panties while I rub you down with this oil. If you don't, you're fired. I just sing. I'm just a singer. I'm just a singer. <laughs> uh, an L.A. jury cleared James of sexual harassment, but found him liable for wrongful termination. Like, all right, you didn't maybe maybe you didn't sexually harass her. I don't know, but that's not. You can't fire her for that. <laughs> I'm James Brown, bitch. That's Rick James. Oh. And not a sponsor. <laughs> uh, Rick Ju- James is still not a sponsor, Brian. I'm trying. Jeez. I just, I, Get know. it together. July 3rd, 2000, an electrical company repairman will call, was called to James's house because there's no lights. They got a no lights call at the residence. So the repairman's like, what's going on? As he approaches, James, allegedly, charges at the repairman with a steak knife. What are you doing on my property? Oh, this is property. That's a legitimate question. He was on James' call- side on this one. He was called there by someone at the house, though, for a note like, hey, we got no lights. Could you mind come checking it out? Yeah. You called me here and then uh, tried to attack me with a knife. What allegedly. Allegedly. 2003. James is pardoned by the South Carolina Department of Probation, Parole, and Pardon Services. Pretty amazing. <laughs> a lot of peas there. Apparently. Uh, for all past crimes that he was convicted of committing in South Carolina. Wow. Blanket pardon. <laughs> well, I'd want... Hey, could you give me this pardon tomorrow? I got. I need 24 hours real quick. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. January 2004. James is arrested on a domestic violence charge. Where at? Again. No, um, yeah. I, I don't know. South Carolina? Because no, I'm, I'm wondering, like, okay, does this pardon, like, blanket cover me for the rest of my life? No, I think it's from past to present oh, right, if you go right. from there. Don't, uh, just don't do it. It was his fourth wife, Tammy Ray Heine. Heine? Yep. Uh, says James pushed her down during an argument, and she suffered scratches and bruises and stuff like that. Uh, they got married December twenty third, two thousand two, so they've only been like a year or so in. 
She's just learning this now. Yeah. James pleads no contest, serves no jail time, and he has to forfeit his bond of $1,087 as punishment. It's probably cheaper than the payola was going to be, so yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> no, nah, just pay the thousand. You keep the thousand. December 23rd, 2006, James shows up hours late to a dentist appointment. That's not a crime, Brian. I he, do this all the time. He was having some dental implant work done. The dentist uh, got a look at James, and he's like, oh, my God, you look horrible. You should see a different type of doctor besides uh, me. Go a to the real hospital. doctor. I almost, I didn't want to be an anti-dentite. <laughs> We're, listen, we can be anti-dentite. It's fun. <laughs> no, a couple dentists. So, yeah, James goes to the hospital, right? But he waited and went the next day to Emory Crawford Long Memorial Hospital. Uh-oh. December 25th, 2006, at 1.45 a.m. Ding, 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 ding. Age 73, James Brown passes away of congestive heart failure, results from complications of pneumonia. <laughs> and PCP. And PCP. We'll get there. Uh, James's last words. Ha! <laughs> More like, ha! Quote, I'm going away tonight. Oh, really? That's what he said. He called it. Yeah, said I'm going away tonight. He pointed to the stands. Yeah. 2019 theory was James Brown murdered. What? See, really? The attending physician, uh, this guy, we'll, we'll get to his name, Crawford or whatever his name was, uh, doctor. He was like, when I left on Christmas Eve, yeah, he, he was recovering so well that I'm like, if you want to go home for the holiday too, you totally can. You just check back in with me like, the, you know, day after the holiday, the 26th or whatever. Right? Okay. Well, I love this part of the story right. now. So James, I, I didn't know that there was going to be some scandal. James's manager confirms this story because he's like, I was with James, too, that, like, Christmas Eve Eve or whatever, and he was fine, man. He was, like, happy and in good spirits. You could totally quote, he was in good spirits, and that's the last thing that he saw. He's the last person to see James, right? So late that night. Doctor gets a call that James' heart stopped, and then by the time the doctor gets back to the hospital, uh, James had died. Now, the nurse on duty said James was visited by a male stranger, and they were alone for a period of time. After the stranger left James's room, uh, his vital signs, like, crashed, right? And then the nurse pointed out there's drug residue on James' endotracheal tube. No shit. So, the hot shot at him. Dr. Crawford... Uh, has come to believe that James died from an accidental overdose of illegal drugs brought into the hospital by the unknown male stranger. Oh, wow. That is a fine. So where's the end of this story go, Brian? That's where we're at. It's That's it? It's 2019 theory. This is new. Uh, oh, I, so, I like that. that right? Well, I mean, I don't like James Brown dying. No, but... I feel like he had a lot still to give society. James Brown's final resting place is also uncertain. Because it's believed that James Brown uh, was buried in a crypt in his daughter Dina's backyard. Mm -hmm. Other daughter LaRonda says that's not the truth. Um, and when asked by CNN reporters about it, Dina refuses to comment. She's like, um, where's Geraldo Rivera when we need him? Right? So there's still some things about James Brown, man. But uh, just a quick recap of James Brown. 17 number one Billboard R&B singles. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Songwriters Hall of Fame. National Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame twice, once for a performer, another time for a songwriter. Ranked number one in Billboard's top 500 artists ever. Really? Where did you go with the Pope? The Pope The Pope oh, got him ranked? I didn't look at the Vatican's rankings. Man. Number seven on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Artist of All Time. Jeez. Created funk music. The most sampled artist of all time. James Brown. James Brown. James motherfucking Brown. To end it, quote from James Brown, 
I don't know karate, but I know crazy. <laughs> James Brown, James ladies and Brown. gentlemen. James Brown, yay. Right. Woo. Big, num- big one-year anniversary special. The cool. one-year anniversary special for James Brown. Cool. I like James. I do like James Brown. It sounds like he didn't. He liked to get his goon hand out. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> it's a little pimp hand, yeah, a little yeah, pimp hand yeah. heavy in his I life, like which comb, is not comb some girl's hair a little bit, but that's so bad. What? We're not blaming victims. No, we're, we're not. Make, I, that's fun that's of that's that. James Brown and his stupidity. I mean, he 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 interrupted an insurance seminar. Some of those people were just probably there for the buffet, anyways. Right. And they're like, good, we can get to this buffet a little early. But that was, like, I think, Oh, shit, warranted. is that James Brown? That oh, was, shit, does he have two shotguns? That was warranted. Who's using my bathroom? But all in all, yeah, James Brown was a good story. I mean, it's a bad story there at the very end. But yeah. now we're with a little bit of intrigue at right? the end, like not just with the not wh- just with the the death or the where's the body? Was he killed? Did yeah. he did he take a a freaking sneeze of coke or something? You know, did he freaking huff one up and then? Well, no, they said there was some um, in his in his uh, IV bag. I'm sure. No, he had. the endotracheal tube, which is like the thing I think that goes in your throat or in your nose or like one of those ones. Oh, yeah, inside endo. Oh, like his breathing. Tracheal, he had a so bre- internal he, breathing tube. If had he had drug had residue. A, if he had a breathing tube, he wasn't that close to getting out of the fucking hospital, though. I don't know. You so, don't keep a breathing tube in you when you're able to breathe on your own. Endo. Endo, endo. It might be, I'm just using words, it might be the one that goes up your nose. That's. I think that might be the endotracheal tube. But tracheal. Okay, I know, but it's we're endo, not so it's outside of I don't of think that. anybody Oh, people are screaming at their cars right now, like, you morons, it's the thing right here. No, we're not. But somebody possibly brought him some drugs in. Maybe he wanted some drugs. It was Christmas. It was Christmas, Christmas, Brian. and uh, he, he wanted to make it snow. Wanted, oh, <laughs> psh, I still got to get in that. Informa. Ha! Yes. Ha. Beautiful. All right. Yeah, James Brown. James Brown. I wonder if we'll ever know the end of that story. If there is, Maybe. we'll update everybody. Maybe. Um, all right. All right. That's it for this week, guys. No, we um, got things. Don't we got things? Oh, that's right. You want a speak pipe, don't you? Yeah, and I want to talk about that guy on YouTube. Oh, yeah. If you'd like to correct us, if you know what an NDL tracheal tube is, we've got some people on YouTube uh, hitting up the comments in our YouTube videos. So you too can hit us up there and tell us all the things no. we did wrong. Well, hold on. I, can I talk about the YouTube guy first? I think so, yeah. All right. So there's, um, what was his name? We don't remember his name. I can find it for you right now. We'll edit don't, out. Any don't me- don't me- don't mess anything up. Girth, Girthron two. Girthron two. Girthron two. I'm sure we're saying his name wrong, and he's going to correct us on it, which is beautiful. I love this guy. He's from England. He's from jolly old Great Britain, England mm-hmm. thing, the island over there. So, anyways, this guy's been very nice. He's been listening to our shows. He's been leaving comments on our YouTube about all the things we screwed up, <laughs> said wrong, wrong dates, wrong names, wrong everything. I do appreciate it, though. I do. Girthron, if you're listening, we need to talk. We need to talk, man. We need to get you to be our fact checker. An official correspondent. Official correspondent. We're going to have you on every week. You can send us a speak pipe with all the things we screwed up the week prior and, or the the shows that we've listened to because they're kind of delayed after we, you know, got to edit them because we do a lot of that we <laughs> want to have this guy as a part of our show girthron 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 i wonder if that's how you say his name so girthron if you're listening please hit us up on the uh crime of music there's a probably an email thing yeah do that and we're gonna make a spot for you we can do an audio 
message of all the things we screwed up, you're going to be a big, huge hit with the young ladies. I guarantee it. That's going to be your pay. Leave Birthron alone. No, what? No, no, no. I mean, now you made your pitch. Let's just see what he does. Don't sell him too hard. Just scare him off. All right, Girthron. Right. Do it. It's like a squirrel or a baby deer. You don't want it. You want to poach calmly. Hey. What are you going to do with a baby deer when you get there? Kill it and eat it. No, you don't. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's get on to our speak pipe because we do have some speak pipe. Uh, let's see if this works. If not, we're just going to end it's the show. It's not the one that you can't put on, is it? Love the stuff that y'all do. Keep doing what you're doing. Join that crime in music. Here's a little bebop for you from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Right. Hey. <laughs> That was labeled as the sexy cowboy. Sexy cowboy. Thank you, sexy cowboy. Shout out. You got you got any more of that that sexy bebop cowboy mix? Send it our way. Who wants to outdo sexy cowboy? So sexy cowboy better than Jason in Chicago. Remember Jason? Oh, Jason Scott, the clarinet. Yeah, we have a clarinet versus that. I think that's a saxophone. I think that was a little sax saxophone. Saxophone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anybody else like to play any um, wind instruments? We could we could use a couple extra wind instruments. If you'd like to share with us your wind instruments, no skin flutes, uh, please hit us up at Crime and Music on all the social medias or go to crimeandmusic.com. We redesigned the website. It's got a cool blog thing in there. You can leave a speak pipe. Just scroll down. Just one little scroll below our promos. That's what that guy did. And you can totally. Yeah, that's what that guy yeah. did. He left us a speak pipe and uh, we played it on the air. We'll play yours too. Yeah. And Girthrun, get on, get on it. Get on it. All right, I'm, I'm Uh-oh, Brian, Brian has Uh-oh. lost his microphone. Oh, no. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> I thought I'm everybody was going to listen to me close down yeah. the show. No, you, just ha- you just have one to say year anniversary. one thing on the one-year anniversary show, Ben, and you know what it is. I got to say something? No, we always say never trust a big butt and a smile. I've never heard that, Brian. 